You are listening to the Financial Clarity for Doctors podcast by Finity Group, LLC, where we discuss the pertinent financial planning topics facing physicians and other medical professionals. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA, SIPC. And now, here are your hosts, Rochelle Van and Corey Janoff. Hey everyone, welcome back to Financial Clarity for Doctors. This is Rochelle Vanderzanden here with Corey Janoff. Yo, yo. We get a lot of requests from folks asking us about budgeting. I think it's probably one of my least favorite things to get questions about just because I feel uncomfortable telling people stop spending money. Sometimes that is what they want to hear. But today we're going to spend a a little bit of time just going through a few different strategies and ways that you can approach budgeting for yourself without having to have a financial planner beat you over the head about it. So we'll go through a few different strategies that we like to look at. Um, I think for a lot of folks, it's not budgeting so much. It's a lack of budgeting. It's a lack of thought spent on, on what you're spending. Most people don't think about it like they have a certain amount of money. They spend a certain amount of money, and that's all it is. If they're not making enough money, maybe they have some credit card debt. If they are making enough money, maybe their savings is building a little bit. So the lack of thought about it, that's the thing that we really want to avoid. That's the biggest pitfall when it it comes to budgeting is just not thinking about it at all. Many people settle into a lot of their fixed expenses without thought to So I think your home is probably going to be the biggest one, but also student loans and the payment that you commit to there. Um, And they think about, okay, like this is what my bills are. I've committed to this and they don't really think about it ahead of time. How is that going to affect my ability to meet my long term goals or the amount of money that I have left over to spend on other things? And then they just kind of do what they can with the left. Um, A lot of times if you have money left over, it's like, ooh, let's get a nicer car. Let's commit to private school for the kids. And you're not really thinking about your future selves, maybe, or, or the other long-term goals that you may have. So we want to make sure that we're, we're leaving enough room in the cash flow to make those things happen, too. So we'll talk about a few different strategies that you can potentially use to do that today. Yes. I think most people are familiar with the traditional budgeting methods where you, you set some predetermined allotments for different spending categories. Like I'm going to allow myself to spend this much on groceries, this much on entertainment, et cetera. Um, and I guess when, when income's tight and you're in college, med school, residency, and you really are on a limited you know, amount of spending, it's like, all right, do I choose to go out to dinner or do I choose to, you know, go, you know, to, to this sporting event this, this, this week, you know, I can't afford to do both. So we kind of have to make some tough decisions there. Um, or am I cool eating top ramen this week and using the extra money to go out uh, to dinner with friends, um, for one night, like, uh, but, uh, you know, I think when income's tight, that can be, that can be beneficial. I think some challenges with the traditional budgeting methods, it's kind of like new year's resolutions. They're tough to stick with, and it can also lead to overspending sometimes when you would have naturally spent less. You know, we, we set this dollar figure and that's what we anchor our minds to. All right, I can spend $300 this month on groceries and that's your target. You know, you know, 
keep in mind budgeting, it's a limit, not a target, but we naturally see that number and think, okay, I can get all the way up to this. I've got some room to go. So let's go buy a few other things because I still have room in the budget rather than just letting that roll over into savings or something else. If you wouldn't otherwise bought it. I personally kind of prefer to budget backwards. So let's start looking at what are our big picture goals and let's start putting enough money towards those goals and with whatever's left, you know, we can do whatever we want with because we know our, obli- our, our, our long-term goals are, are on track to being met. Um, you know, if we're saving enough for retirement, saving enough for the kids to go to college, you know, maybe we want to buy another home in a few years and we need to save up a little bit for a down payment. We're putting enough towards those various things and we're on track for that. Great. Spend whatever you want on groceries, spend whatever you want on vacations. Just don't go into credit card debt, you know, maintain your, your systematic savings plan and you'll be in good shape. I think when you're at a higher income level, have more cash flow, have more discretionary spending abilities. This is fantastic. Um, where, where Rochelle and I often, you know, get a little discouraged as we'll run into people who are in practice making good income and they want to do the traditional budgeting because they're spending too much. And it's really difficult once you get to that level to, to really start scaling back enough. It's probably easier to actually earn more income than it is to cut expenses out of your life. So if you're still in training or med school, listening to this moment, you get into practice start setting enough aside for your goals and then everything else you can upgrade from there. But, uh, but it gets difficult if you upgrade your lifestyle first and then try and squeeze all of your financial goals into the equation. But what are your thoughts there, Rochelle? Yeah, I think the strategy that you use is definitely dependent on where you're at in life. And I do think that even with a resident, you can try to control some of that excess spending to a certain extent because I see lots of people who are training that spend quite a bit of money. They really do. And there there are other people who are ridiculously good budgeters. And, you know, maybe they don't have some of the the long-term obligations like student loans and things like that, but they may be maxing out a Roth IRA every year. Um, and, And I think one important thing to note is that when you're in training, we're probably not on track to meet our long term goals. Like because, you know, our long term goals are going to be based on our attending salary and we really can't save at that level yet. So it's important to do what you can at that point. And so, you know, if you can make your goal like, hey, I just want to max out my Roth IRA and then maybe you leave a little room in the budget to to spend money on other things. Um, I think there are some apps and things like that that help with the more traditional budgeting. So if that's your jam, if like that's the thing that's going to work for you is seeing that number and and knowing you like don't want to go over it. And like if you feel incentivized by things like that, there are lots of apps that are good like that. I know Mint works really well for a lot of people. Um, I think there's one. Oh, gosh. Corey, remember any of the other ones? There's a bunch. There's you need a budget. I think Apple has their own version. There's I think personal capital is one, but they're also a a money management company. So if you sign up for their free app, which is a a pretty cool app, but you're Mm -hmm. just going to get hounded and bombarded by their representatives to, you know, manage your investments. But, um, but I mean, there's so many out there. It doesn't matter which one you use, just go with whatever works for you. Yeah, whatever interface that you like best. Absolutely. Um, And I think 
you know, with free apps in general, we expect to be bombarded by advertisements, I suppose. (laughs) Um, But yeah, then, you know, as you get to other stages of your career, it's definitely a matter of just controlling that lifestyle inflation, like you were talking about, Corey. Um, Yeah, because once you get there, there's there's no going back. And when you do start to inflate your lifestyle, if it gets a little out of hand, that also means that it's going to be really, really difficult to support that lifestyle when you're retired. So it's not just a a problem for you right now. It's a future you problem also. So definitely something you want to tackle and be proactive about early on in your careers. So I think with those apps and things like that, and just with even if you're not going to use an app, looking at your statements, looking at um, you know your your spending every month, and just having a good idea of what that looks like, being aware of your behavior is going to be the first step to making sure that it's reasonable. So you just want to take three seconds when you're making a purchase to acknowledge, like, hey, this is real money that I'm spending. I think especially when we're using cards all the time, there's not a lot of cash that we're using. It's so easy for money to change hands without even really thinking about what that means. Like, you know, if you're spending a hundred bucks on something and you make $1,500 every two weeks, that's a good percentage of your paycheck that you are spending on that thing. So if it's worth it to you, absolutely. It doesn't mean don't do it. It just means like really taking a second to acknowledge that. Um, And then I think, The other piece is that with the apps that you can actually look at categories of spending that you have. So if you decide on a number that's reasonable for you, maybe it's, you know, six, seven, eight hundred dollars. If it's just you on groceries, maybe if it's a family, maybe and you're in attending, maybe it's something like two thousand dollars a month might be a little much. But you have to look at what's reasonable to you and and kind of dial it back if at all possible. And you can just make small changes to to get that in line sometimes. Um, I do also like making sure that if you are in a relationship, you're doing some of this together. Because most of the time we're looking at your finances jointly. But if you're not on the same page when it comes to spending, it's going to be really difficult to control that at all. So if you can have a quarterly or a semi-annual sit down with your partner and just say, hey, let's look at what we spent the last six months. Um, Is there anything in here that we regret at this point? (laughs) Like maybe we take a second and don't do that the next time. But it's really beneficial to know. And you that also gives you a chance to look at things. And if there's subscriptions you're using that maybe get very little use, maybe you can knock out some of those things that are recurring expenses. Um, it can also be really helpful for retirement planning, just making sure that you're on track to meet your goals and and you can have a, a general assessment of the overall financial picture, but definitely looking at the spending should be a part of that. Yes. Yeah. And make it fun too. like, you know, send the kids to grandma and grandpa or get a babysitter or something and, you know, make it a date night, get a pizza, open a bottle of wine or two. Um, and, and I think, you know, we've had Carl Richards on the podcast before he's, he's really big on the no shame, no blame. He even recommends getting cheap trucker hats and writing no shame, no blame on it. So there's not going to be any judgment. We're just looking at it with open minds and, and, you know, all right, what did we spend? Wow. That's interesting. Um, not, not necessarily good or bad, you know, and like you said, Rochelle, what can we cut out that we no longer need? And I think just the awareness is powerful, being aware of how much you're spending in certain things. And even every single day, um, you know, just every time you buy something, just 
take three seconds without any guilt, just acknowledging, you know, okay, yeah, I spent this much. You know, I think you said I spent $8 on a burrito. That's interesting. And that's all. And not trying to feel guilty, not trying to change, you know, your habits, but just being aware of what you're spending money on can kind of naturally alter your behavior. You know, if that's the ultimate goal, you know, most people who want to try and create a budget or do budgeting are doing so because they aren't completely content with their current spending habits. They're trying to make some changes. Um, so if you're just naturally aware of things, uh, you we're humans, we adapt pretty well and pretty easily. So you'll, you'll gradually migrate in the direction you want to go just from that awareness component. I do think it's one of my favorite things once in a while when I have a, a client come to me who's like, why do I have so much money? <laughs> and, you know, like they they haven't fully adjusted to their new income and they have relatively low fixed expenses. And that's kind of like the funnest budgeting. It's like, well, let's do a little extra for your long term goals to make sure like you're in a really good spot. But when we get to the point where we're saving like a really good chunk of your income, we're being really aggressive about savings then maybe you get to spend a little more. <laughs> and that could be like the flip side of budgeting. And it absolutely happens once in a while where it's like, yeah, I mean, you you can afford to spend more. Like you're in an okay spot. And for some folks, like that comes up. Most of those folks are the, the ones that don't have kids. I will say that. <laughs> if you have kids, it's so much easier to spend all of the money that you're making. Um, that being said, I think, we're talking a lot about the little things like groceries and burritos and things like that. But the things that will have the largest impact on your monthly cash flow and your budget are going to be the big items. So it's housing, it's childcare, maybe to a lesser extent, your car payments, things like that. Those are the ones where if you keep those reasonable, like then everything else should be easier to fall into place. So just as some rough guidelines, ideally you can keep your housing payment at, and that includes like mortgage, rent, your taxes, your insurance, if you're owning, all of that kind of stuff below about 20% of your gross income. So, you know, take that number before taxes, 20% of that. If you can keep your housing expense below that, then you should be able to fit the other expenses in okay. And that can be different for some folks. Like if you have a big student loan payment, that's something you really want to take care of. Your budget still could be a little tight, but generally speaking, 20% or lower is a, a good benchmark to shoot for. And then, you know, if we take an example, if you're making $200,000 per year, that's about $3,300 per month. And depending on where you live, that should be pretty reasonable, pretty doable. I know the real estate market is kind of going crazy right now, so it's been a little difficult for people to get into homes. But most of the time, in most areas, that should be pretty doable. And then, you know, if you have young children and there's childcare costs there to a certain extent, like there's not a whole lot you can do about that. But doing whatever you can to, to minimize that cost and recognizing that it is short term if you're not going to be doing private school long term. Um, and, you know, childcare costs are going to be one of the biggest expenses that you have when you have kids. And also the housing piece, you know, these are just rough guidelines that 20%, you know, keep your housing costs below 20% of your income. Um, but if you have several children all in young and in childcare, or maybe you have a nanny because it's cheaper to have a nanny than have three kids in daycare at once. And then you have a decent sized student loan balance that you're trying to pay off. 
Yeah. The housing is one that you can control more and, and trying to keep that housing costs lower, you know, well below that 20% of your income mark until the student loans are gone, until the kids are in school and you don't have that uh, high childcare cost expense anymore. That's when we take a sigh of relief and say, okay, now that these expenses are behind us, now we can move into the, the more desirable home in the nicer neighborhood. But, you know, we, we just got to tough it out for a handful of years until we get to that point. So another thing I like to do is, you know, the housing piece is, is a big one. That's going to be your biggest expense, most likely, you know, outside of taxes and children in your life. So if you can, the less money you spend on housing, the more money you have for other things. But all of your other expenses, you know, ideally, if you're if you're looking at it as a percentage of income, you know, if it's exceeding 10% of your income, really, if it's more than 5% of your income, you know, we kind of have to take a look and scratch our heads a little bit. You know, if you're making 200000 a year and spending 10% of that, so 20000 a year on, say, a car, that's a pretty expensive car for, for your income. You know, if you're spending, what is, what does that amount to? Like 1600 a month in car payments. So, you know, let's, uh, let's, let's get a little bit more realistic on, on that one. Um, you know, and other stuff like the groceries, the, you know, dining out entertainment, you know, that can be a big one, the travel budget, you know, one, you know, with the pandemic, you know, uh, who knows where where we'll be with things um, once this podcast gets released? And when we're recording, the the Delta variant is is wreaking havoc, and uh, a lot of states are re-implementing you know mask mandates and and restrictions again. But um, uh, you know, once travel's like a normal thing, that can be one where, where where you spend a lot of money. So you know, again, keeping it into a single digit percentage of income, um, ideally, and. Uh, you know, if you're spending more than five or 10% of your income on groceries, you know, we kind of have to ask ourselves, what are, what are we eating? That's so expensive. Um, what are we drinking? Yeah. What are we drinking? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I think the other one retirement, you know, that's when we want to save more than 20% of our income and kind of getting back to the backwards budgeting. If we're putting enough away for all of our goals, we're in good shape. So if, you know, we can save at least 20% of our income for retirement and, and make your goals part of your budget. We're putting this much towards these various things. Um, you know, that'll help you stay on track for, for achieving the things you want to achieve. Mm -hmm. The retirement savings is one that's allowed to be more than five or 10% of your budget for sure. <laughs> it better be more than five or 10%. <laughs> it better be. It better be. Yeah, I think another one that sometimes ends up being a big line item that's related to the long-term goals is the college savings too. So if you do have young kids, well, a lot of times you need to be putting a good chunk of money away, especially if you want to be able to bankroll the kind of education that you got as a medical professional. You know, if you want them to be able to go to med school, if you want to be able to put them through Harvard undergrad, like that is going to be very expensive and will be a big chunk of your monthly budget. And if, if you want to support that, it's either, you know, we're doing it proactively right now or we're paying a lot out of pocket when they get to school age. So one way or another, it's, it's going to be a significant part of the budget at some point in time. For sure. Um, yeah, yeah, I think the big things, if, you, if you're still in training, just try and avoid the credit card debt. Um, you can use credit cards, just don't carry a balance month to month. Max out that Roth IRA. 
Um, if you do anything beyond that, fantastic. The more, the better. But you know, just stay out of debt and have a little bit in savings is, is the, the goal. Once you're in practice, let's make sure we're setting enough aside for our various financial goals so we're on the right track to achieving those goals in a timely manner. And as long as we're doing that, the, the traditional budgeting of limiting yourself to this amount each month for, for various things isn't really as imperative because you know you're setting enough aside for your goals. The rest, you know, it's on track so we can do what we want with the rest and not feel dirty about it. But anything else you can think of, Rochelle, that's worth adding here? Oh, that's the treat yourself moment. I like that one. <laughs> You know, when you're when you're there, don't feel guilty about it anymore. Yeah, for sure. Yep. All right. Well, I guess we'll chalk this one up as a little bit shorter and sweeter. Um, <laughs> but don't hesitate to reach out if you have any questions. So thanks for listening. We would love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics you'd like us to cover. You can get in touch with the show by emailing podcast at thefinitygroup.com or by following Finity Group on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Finity Group LLC. You can follow me on Twitter at Corey Janoff CFP, Instagram at Corey Janoff, or on LinkedIn under my name, Corey Janoff. You can follow me on Twitter at Rochelle Finance or on Instagram Vanderzanden Rochelle or on LinkedIn under my name, Rochelle Vanderzanden. Check out all of the podcast episodes on the affinitygroup.com slash podcast on our Finity Group YouTube channel or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to check out our financial clarity blog at thefinitygroup.com slash blog. Thanks for listening to this episode of Financial Clarity for Doctors by Finity Group LLC.